the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Past performance may not be indicative of future results. Therefore, no current or prospective client should assume that the future performance of any specific investment, investment strategy, including the investments and or investment strategies recommended and or purchased by advisor or product made reference to directly or indirectly will be profitable. Different types of investment involve varying degrees of risk, and there can be no assurance that any specific investment will either be suitable or profitable for a client's investment portfolio. No client or prospective client should assume that any information presented serves as the receipt of or substitute for personalized investment advice from the advisor or any other investment professional. Welcome to the Bullington Capital Report, hosted by Bill Bullington. For the next hour, you'll receive information on current market conditions and trends that could affect your financial future. If you have a question, you can participate in today's program by calling 216-901-0945. That's 216-901-0WHK. You can also reach Bill by going to his website, BullingtonCapital.com. And now, here's Bill Bullington. And welcome back. It is amazing. I'm looking at all kinds of stuff. On today's show, we're going to talk a little bit about why you shouldn't be um, too upset with what's going on. I know it's very difficult. Uh, market's down and just encroaching on bear market territory. The official uh, definition of a bear market is one that closes 20% below its most recent all-time high. And by the way, you need to go back and and listen to that three or four times to get that definition correctly, <laughs> because the, it's most recent all time high. And that, that it takes some a little bit of uh, knowledge actually to to be able to understand that. As uh, a lot of people will pick a point in time and say, "Well, it's twenty percent below there." Well, that doesn't count. <laughs> but uh, anyway, um, just means that. The vast majority of stocks have been going down, although, you know, despite the fact that some stocks, most most stocks are going down. There's no doubt about it. But there's a small subset that is actually fairly strong. Um, they're not in any one fund that you can purchase, by the way. They're, it's pretty diverse. And that's one of the characteristics I've noticed over the years when markets are dropping. There's still some stocks that will end up um, going up despite the fact that, that the vast majority of them are dropping. Um, but oftentimes they don't have a whole lot to do with one another. And when most stocks are going up at the same time, you know, you see the NASDAQ going up, the S&P going up, the Russell 1000 going up, uh, the Russell 3000 going up. When those are going up, you'll see groups of stocks showing up in the scan some of the some of the groups are actually moving up faster than others so one of the uh, uh signs at least as far as i'm concerned uh of a market that's not in good shape is that you see stocks that don't have a whole lot to do with one another that are going up and 
just a casual observation over the years. Not that it can help you make a ton of money, um, but it's interesting to know that uh, what you might be able to expect over the next uh, few weeks, or at least what's going on right now, and which is incredibly important, staying in the now, is uh, it's integral to being successful as an investor. Uh, So many people, they just continuously try to predict. And I'm telling you, if you watch the news long enough, sooner or later, you're going to turn negative. And when you turn negative on markets, you know, that, that can be devastating because the, the market's increases have, uh, have a tendency to come so quickly, especially after a big correction, that if you miss one or two days of that, that's, that's a big problem. It's going to hurt your returns big time. So what you really need to do is go into it expecting the declines. You need to go into it planning for it. And that's um, basically managing risk and knowing magically when the market's going to turn and run and, and believing what a lot of people say. If you look at their statements, they're not doing it. A lot of people say stuff that, you know, it's not nice um, for them because they're misleading some people. And, and I'm extremely sensitive to that. When I hear them bragging about something that they did, and I know how impossible that is, uh, but other people don't because it sounds reasonable and uh, just uh, if I hear this, this is why I'm not popular at parties because that's typically when somebody's standing around and um, you know, they, they just want to make themselves feel good or something. And they start talking about stocks. I'm everybody that knows me is like, Oh, <laughs> and they start walking away <laughs> because they, they know if, if I hear something that I know is not true, I'm going to call it out. You know, it's, it's, it, Investing is really difficult, you know, under the best of conditions. This is actually one of my early mentors in this uh, industry looked at me real solemnly one day and and I don't even know why he said it, but he goes, hey, you know, Bill, marriage is extremely difficult under the best of conditions. (laughs) And I looked at him. Actually, I I know why he's saying because I was getting ready to get married, but uh, he uh he said that, and I, I just laugh about that all the time because it, it's true in marriage, and anybody that's ever been married for more than a week probably understands that statement very well. <laughs> and people who uh, have invested in stocks, let me tell you something. Uh, the stock market is difficult under the best of conditions, and there are lots of reasons for that. And but uh, one of the reasons that I talk so much about it is that with interest rates as low as they are, and I'm glad to see that they've been coming up. That's a good thing. We're going to talk about that in the uh, second part of today's show. But uh, I'm going to have some options for you, too, uh, for this particular market, because there's some big risk in government bonds out there. Huge risk. Not all of them, but the ones that are the most popular, uh, the ones that people are are putting more money into i'm like oh no you're not making that mistake again (laughs) i've only been talking about this since 1996 (laughs) that's when i first started this show and that hasn't changed interest rates and bonds have not changed at all in that time period well just the fact that you can buy them online now and just the fact that you know, I have access to a tool that I would not have had access to that gives me a better choice, uh, 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 gives me a better uh, host of options to be able to 
try to meet somebody's needs with. And I'm pretty uh, simple on that, on that kind of stuff. It's a, um, I'm really just looking for safety and yield. That's it. Safety's first. Yield is yield is second. And this is where the greed sets in. And this is the mistake people are still making 30 years after I started warning them about this. <laughs> and uh, um, by the way, I won't take that tone with you if you decide to call and ask me something. <laughs> this is my uh, <laughs> my outlet. <laughs> for the... Anyway, so we'll talk about that a little bit later in today's show. And, uh, and I did want to talk about the future and what things, uh, you know, I, I never, when, when I'm looking uh, at the future, I never try, I know I'm not going to be 100% accurate. Uh, nobody is. Nobody's 100% accurate. It just doesn't happen. But there are things that you can see that are going on right now. Okay, and that, that's your best uh, source of information is what is happening right now. And when I said source of information, I mean that the best, those are the best topics, not the sources. The sources I get from all over the place. Uh, Wall Street Journal, by the way, does a pretty good job. The uh, Barron's does a great job. I have a uh, service like, that's called Y-Charts. It's, it's actually for financial advisors, kind of expensive. It's about 5000 a year now, I think. The, um, but it does a lot for that kind of for that kind of money. They should be doing a lot, <laughs> and it does a lot, and uh, it really helps me out. There's a ton of if you need uh, information on any economic statistic, it's in there. I mean, it is in there, and uh, uh, so I get shout out to those guys. And uh, by the way, White Church, you owe me if anybody signs up. <laughs> I'm just kidding. The uh, um, they have a, an investor version of it too. You don't have to buy the full blown version, and it's relatively inexpensive. And if you want to know uh, anything there is to know about a company's financial statements, it's in there. You want to know when they're going to be speaking next, it's in there. Uh, economic statistics, it's in there. What are bonds doing? It's in there. The uh, remind. Yeah, actually, I was just going to say that that reminds me of Prego. <laughs> Remember that old commercial? I tell you, if, if I want to um, uh, drive Carrie crazy, that's uh, that's my fiance, by the way. I'll uh, start talking about like the uh, oh oh now I forget. Oh no, don't get old people. But um, yeah, I, it, it it it's the mint chocolate, and I and I'm trying to think of who it is. But anyway, the guy's standing there, and he's going, it's like cool water going all over my body. <laughs> he's from. Yeah, your York peppermint patties. They're like cool water going all over my body. <laughs> she hates that. <laughs> With a passion, her skin just starts. I can see it curling. and, and <laughs> I'm not sure why she hates it, but uh, she really doesn't like that. So if I ever want to get her, uh, get her goat, that's basically I just pull that out of my bag of tricks. <laughs> Actually, I've, I've learned not to do that. <laughs> so uh, I thought it was funny, <laughs> but oh well. And uh, it was really funny when I was, I, I, you know, I used to work at Fidelity and I was training there and they, we had to go to Boston. We lived there for well, about six weeks and uh, they're all running us through all these classes. And and there were several people that were from the area there that uh, were going through the class at the same time. And uh, their accents were so thick. I was just like, wow, I, I, I thought they were at first I thought they were just kidding around. But they weren't. That's actually how they spoke. And uh, so pretty interesting. 
Anyway, back to the economy. And uh, you know what? There are some uh, really cool developments, and this is really going to influence. It's going to create a ton of jobs. It's, it'll be really fascinating to see if this path that it's headed down uh, is not going to change or if it starts to accelerate. And what I'm talking about is uh, alternate fuel sources, hydrogen being one of them. And hydrogen is a, uh, uh, the most abundant element in the universe uh, to be able to capture it. It requires a lot of electricity the way that the m- most people are doing it uh, today. So you're using electricity, which uses mostly fossil fuels, to create a green <laughs> source of fuel. Yeah, a lot of people, that's Elon Musk really did not like that. I mean, he really didn't like it. But now they realize that you can use solar panels and windmills to generate that electricity to create the hydrogen, which actually uh, now you've got, they call it uh, green hydrogen. It, it was developed without using any fossil fuels. That's a big deal. That's a really big deal because hydrogen is a little easier. Uh, it's the the cars that they've made. They actually were, have been using them for a really long time. Fuel cells have been around for a while. Uh, they, they used them up. Oh, in the 60s in spaceships that there was, you know, NASA was sending around the planet and to the moon. So it's a, you know, this is very fascinating. So And you've got the, reg- the regular uh, electric cars that are still coming out. That, like I said, it'll be interesting to see if these guys are able to gain any ground. Uh, and it's not just for uh, cars, but there are a lot of different uses for fuel cells. Um, but transportation is a, a really big one. And what this means, it, and it doesn't even matter if hydrogen's not the, the fuel source of the future. Okay? It doesn't matter because we're going to have some fuel source. And it is changing, whether it's electricity that we get from solar or uh, wind um, or if it comes from hydrogen fuel cells, if it comes from, they can do natural gas. There's a company called Bloom Energy that's working on this. And when you're talking about energy, you're talking about one of the it, one of the largest industries and sectors in the world. So, and it affects everybody because everybody has a cell phone that has to be charged. Everybody has a car that's got a battery in it. A lot of people have electric cars now. You walk into the house, what's the first thing you do? Turn the lights on. Yeah, energy is is really it affects everybody's life. And one of the biggest if I were a, if I were a kid and I didn't know what to do, I'd be an electrician. <laughs> Absolutely. Anyway, this is Bill Bullington. Stay tuned. You're listening to 1420. I'll be back in a few minutes. Can I pour my heart out to a listening But I see this life, its valleys and mountains. I think of all the roads that brought me here, all that brought me here. Well, I sweat in the heat of the battle, and I fought through the dust and the shadows. Oh, you never left my side, never left my side, no. And I stood at the top of And we're back. So I'm just looking at the NASDAQ, the S&P, and the Dow Jones Industrial Average this year. 
The Dow's doing the best. It's only down 11.6%. That's that's the better of the three. The S&P 500's down 16.32%, or 5.2, rather. And the NASDAQ is down nearly 27%. The NASDAQ, which has been blistering uh, to the upside when the market was going up, is actually underperformed. That's not unusual. You know, there are a lot of technology stocks in there. And I, I just want to talk a little bit about... Uh, Factor-based investing. Factors are things like profit margin. How big is your profit margin? Now, I think that would be just kind of um, common sense. And the, the funds that I like to use have specific factors that I'm looking for to get a really good, solid level of diversification. And when you get that diversification, what that means is, is it's a little safer because you're spreading it out. Instead of putting all of your money in one or two sectors, you're uh, actually spreading them out over lots of sectors. But the companies that are in that fund have a certain level of profit margin. Uh, they have a certain level of sales growth. They have a certain level of, of size. So those types of things are factors. And that's what exchange-traded funds do. And it's so funny because so many people get into a fund just because of its most recent performance, expecting that that's going to go on forever. And then when it doesn't, you know, there's a problem there. Just like the Nasdaq's down 27% this year, the Dow's only down 11. Over the last five years, the Nasdaq has been crushing the Dow. Okay, been crushing it. And that's my point. So if you're going to uh, overweight in something like that, you really need to understand what you're doing. And it, it's very difficult to do, by the way. Uh, there are so many thousands of funds and thousands of stocks. There are actually more funds than there are stocks to invest in. That makes it even more confusing. But um, bottom line is if you're looking through and, and you've got a, a philosophy or you, you have certain characteristics that you like to see, a lot of people like to see dividends, uh, and then they go look at a stock that's paying, you know, seven or eight percent dividend. Let me tell you something: a stock that's paying seven or eight percent as a dividend has problems. That's why the dividend yield is so high, because the professionals know that that company's under pressure and they're selling the stock. At some point in time, they may have to cut that dividend. So, just the dividend yield alone. If you diversify it extremely well and stick to large company stocks, yes, that can work and does work or has worked in the past. Uh, it's a little riskier. And it's riskier because the dividend yield, why would somebody pay 7% when you've got you know, 10-year treasuries paying you know 2.8? I mean, why would they do that? The only reason that they would do that is to attract buyers. And a lot of times they don't even have... Their dividend policy is not even based on that. The share price typically goes down, and when the share price goes down, the dividend yield goes up. So let's say I got a hundred dollar stock and it, it's got a two dollar and fifty cent dividend. That's two point five percent. If suddenly people lose confidence in that company and the stock price drops to fifty bucks, they typically don't cut the dividend. So the dividend is still two dollars and fifty cents, but the share price now is fifty dollars. So instead of getting 2.5%, I'm getting 5%. Why? Because the share price now has come down. It really hurts if I was the one, if I owned it at 100, now it's at 50. Okay. But the consolation there is that the dividend yield, even though it hasn't even gone up, is up as a percentage of the share price. Big. That's a can be a big deal. You know, 
tons and tons of people, though, we, we get sucked into stocks that are paying really high dividends without looking at the profitability of the company in the long run. That is not a good measure of how you're going to buy your stocks. I get if you bought 50 of them and, you know, that way you're you're pretty well diversified. Just take the 50 highest yielding stocks out of the S&P 500 and uh, rebalance them once a year. That actually does OK in the long run. It's pretty volatile. I mean, it's actually really volatile, but the uh, uh, the volatility levels are oftentimes higher than just the overall stock market. But, you know, it depends on your risk tolerance. Do you really want to do that? I think there are better ways to do that. And uh, I try to incorporate those funds into the portfolios that we run for our clients. And I'm sure that none of them are aware. Well, some are aware of it, but very few people actually look into it that in that uh, detailed of a fashion. And uh, anyway... Having said that, one of the things we're talking about with fixed income is if you're in, in bond funds, you need to be holding super short-term bond funds, super short-term. There's this thing they call duration. I'm not going to burden you with the technical definition of it. I'm just going to tell you the shorter the duration, if it says like two years rather than four years, that's the one you want to buy right now. That's where you want to be. You want to be with a short-term duration. What that means is the the average maturities or the bonds duration is actually a little more complicated. But the uh, it's a measure of how much risk the bond fund has due to the uh, uh, our changing interest rates. And the shorter the duration, the shorter period, the more conservative the bond fund is supposed to be. Now, I... Really, personally, I like average maturities, but some companies are not reporting that information now. So I had to use the uh, duration. Just understand that duration, you want a short duration, and it should be less than two years. That's what you should be looking for. That's what we're using. Our, our duration on the fund that we're using now, I think it's about nine months. So we're using very short term. Why? Because when interest rates go up, bond prices go down. Take a look at the aggregate bond index, which is a uh, uh, it's a bond index fund, just very similar to any other index fund, except that this one only invests in bonds. So the bond index, which bonds are supposed to be safer, right? It was eighty eight dollars in December of two thousand twenty, and now it's seventy six, or actually seventy seven, two two pennies away from seventy seven. So this is a bond fund. That's got invest all investment grade and some government bonds in it. It's one of the better performing bond funds over super long time periods. And it's down 12.8% over the past couple of years. That, that's not what we want with our bond funds. Uh, so again, why is that happening? And let me give you a, a, a super quick, super simple example. Let's say I got a bond and it's paying $20, $25 a year. That's 2.5%, 25 bucks. New bond, the interest rates on new bonds are paying $40 a year. Okay, that's 4%. Why on earth would somebody give you a full $1,000 for your bond to get 25 bucks when they can buy a new one and get 40 You know, why would they do that? Well, I'll tell you, the only reason they would do that is because they're not very bright. <laughs> and that, that happens quite often. But the uh, the bottom line is, you really want to uh, pay attention to how long the maturity is on a bond because if you only have to hang on to the bond for a year or two years or three or four years, that's 
it's not going to fluctuate quite as much because you can ride that out. And when it matures, you can just reinvest it. If you've got a 30-year bond, you're going to have to wait for 30 years to be able to get, to be able to have a guarantee on getting all your money back. And then, I don't know. I don't know what your life expectancy is. It's just not worth the risk right now, especially as interest rates have gone up. And just this year, uh, just this year, the bond index is down 7.5% just this year. So again, you got to be careful. Not all bond funds are the same. When you hear a, a bond fund that's got a yield and it's significantly higher than 2.5%, let's say it, there's a bond fund with a yield of 4% out there, they are taking risk to get that. And the odds are right now, they're not in their favor. I'm telling you right now, the odds are not in their favor. And that's one of the reasons I started using and offering uh, fixed indexed annuities because they have a fixed rate on them that's substantially higher than the long-term interest rates on bonds. Substantially higher than the long-term interest rates on bonds. And those are fixed numbers. It is not a bond. You should not actually have to compare it to a bond is not really fair. They're two entirely different uh, investments and instruments, but they share something in common. People buy them for income. If you're buying something for income and you want to get the highest income you can get, that's the category right now. Uh, that could change. And I'm actually, I'm sure it will change because there were years that went by that I didn't bother looking at them because they looking at them because you could get uh, short-term bonds and bond funds that paid as much or even slightly more. And, you know, you just, the, the risk was fairly low. That's not the situation today. And that was, by the way, that was like 15 years ago. And this is a tremendously long time ago. And uh, so at, at any rate, and I remember in uh, 2000, uh, or no, 2008 and 2009, and I was saying, hey, you know, you guys, this is, stuff's going to happen. Rates are going to come down. And I, nobody wanted to believe it. And they got their 5 and 6% CDs that, you know, renewing under 2% at some point in time. And I'm not uh, trying to forecast the future here. I'm just trying to observe what's happening right now. Right now, interest rates are going up. Yeah, that's that's tough. That's really difficult to combat. Uh, and uh, so if you're looking for to get a higher interest rate and you'd like to see it remain fixed, then I think those fixed index annuities are a viable option. And that's today. If you can get a, a risk-free treasury that's going to pay 5 or 6% again, I'm going to say, you know what? We should probably pick some of those up. But it doesn't, uh, you know, it doesn't really matter. I think it, as long as you're being conservative across the board, you should do okay. Either way, the short-term bonds, uh, you got a fixed indexed annuity. If you need a higher income and you need a guarantee, and everybody is different. I get people uh, emailing me fairly frequently saying, why do you talk about this? Or why do you talk about that? Well, because you're not the only one that's listening. <laughs> And there are a lot of people and they have got a lot of different needs and they have a lot of different desires and they have a lot of different educational backgrounds as particularly when it comes to finance. And so the mind of somebody who says, why don't you just talk what, about what I want to hear is the, uh, well, you know, I try <laughs> and uh, we are going to talk about stocks next. So you guys um, hold on to your britches. 
the uh, mostly guys, by the way. The, uh, the you know, I want you to talk about stocks. Yeah, okay, well, we will. But I'm telling you, at some point in time, heck, I've got 25% of my money in fixed index annuities. And, you know, I, I'm nowhere near retirement. <laughs> so I think it's pretty good to, a pretty good idea. Hey, I hear the music. That means I got to take a real quick commercial break. This is Bill Bullington. I'll be right back. And we're back. Hey, this is Bill Bullington. I'm here every Saturday morning from 11 to noon. You can also find me on my website. Uh, it's BullingtonCapital.com. Just go to there and fill out the contact us page, and I will try to get back to you. Oftentimes, it's it's pretty funny. People uh, fill that out, but then they don't put a question on there. <laughs> so I really don't know. But I'll, I'll call you. Yeah, it's no big deal. Um, here's something that you'd like more information on. You know, feel free to hit me up for that, too. And, uh, you know, we were talking about uh, the treasuries and whatnot the past couple weeks and short-term bond funds. You just got to keep everything short, short and safe. When interest rates are rising, those are going to be the things that end up do the b- doing the best, you know, despite the fact that it's a um, um, very difficult market. So if you're looking at, uh, here's one of the funds I, I use. It's got, the, the yield on it's not really high right now. It's going up because the, short-term treasuries, but it's only, it's down, but it's only down about a little over 2% versus what, how much the stock market is down over the same time period. So actually, no, I take that back. Stock market's down way more than that. It's only down 1.2% uh, over that time period. So, but you know, like everything else, that's, uh, it's bound to change in uh, having the, uh, when you buy a bond, by the way, the, the price on the bond is going to fluctuate. If the if you hold it to maturity, you're going to get a thousand dollars. They call that par for the bond. So if you paid a thousand dollars for it, that's great. You get your whole thousand dollars back. If you paid a premium, so you paid a thousand and forty dollars, you don't get that forty bucks back. It's only going to mature at a thousand dollars. If you paid less than, uh, let's say you paid nine hundred ninety six dollars for it, well, you're going to get a thousand dollars for it when it matures. So kind of a good thing. Um, we are planning a seminar for this fall and uh, don't know exactly what the date's going to be yet. And I'll show you a lot of that stuff uh, that I'm talking about because it, it's very useful. You can really control your risk a lot better uh, with individual securities now and in bonds uh, than you've ever been able to. 
the, the fixed index products are still super strong. We're going to be talking about that as well. Um, and, uh, you know, if you don't like to see or if you want guarantees, then those are the types of things you want to look at. And then for all you stock investors, uh, we'll be talking about factor investing. And, and actually, I, I use factors with that portion of the money that I like to put in individual stocks that you've all heard me talk about. And you've seen the uh, website in the past. It was called Look Out for the Bull. Um, very difficult to keep that up and running, incidentally. And uh, there's a bunch of reasons for it, mainly the labor involved. But secondarily, the uh, regulations. I mean, it is mind-boggling, the regulations that have been coming out over the past five years. The, the government really wants to take control of your money, by the way. They, they want to tell you exactly how you can invest. And they're doing a good job laying out these regulations uh, to, to do so. It's not completely that way yet, but I know if they had their way, it probably would be. Uh, and uh, so you, you still got a bunch of firms that large institutional firms, and Fidelity being one of them, that, that's fighting to preserve your ability to choose and uh, because they're still competitive and they have products designed that would never make it through a government approval that are good quality products, and you'd be missing on that, out on that. So I haven't said that. I'll get off my uh, soapbox here, but... Um, yeah, right now I'm, I'm looking at a scan, and what this scan is, the, the factors involved in this scan are, are basically just price movement. Um, I'm not a huge fan of doing just the price movement, but I think it's a good place to start. And so if you look at, if you want to make money relatively soon, doesn't it make sense that you're looking at stocks that are going up right now? I mean, think about it. If you want to make money soon, wouldn't it make sense that you're looking at stocks that are going up right now? That's what I like about a lot of the ETFs I'm using. That's the beginning. What's moving right now? <laughs> and the second part is, okay, now we want to know why. We want sales growth. We want profit growth. We want minimum returns on assets invested. Those are all factors I was talking about a little bit earlier today in, in the funds that I'm using. And incidentally, doing it in a fund is way easier than doing these by hand, one by one. However, I grew up in an era when that was the main way of managing portfolios, picking them out. One. So it's an old habit, uh, and I will tell you that I have less than 20% of my money now doing that, and 80% of my money is actually in exchange-traded funds and, and annuities. The uh, So I got less than 20% of my money in individual stocks, and the reason I like doing it is because it's fun. It's a habit. It's like being on a treasure hunt. You know, when I see something that's coming up, I'm like, why is that stock moving? Why is CNX, uh, an old line, old economy stock, the very first stock that comes up on the list today? You know, I don't know. I, I could look into it more if I wanted to. And then here's another one, old economy stocks. Gulfport Energy, an energy company. Well, people would say, well, yeah, well, you, that makes sense because, you know, Russia's been, we've been in war with Russia. Really? Because right when we went into the uh, war with Russia, it, uh, we didn't go to the war. Well, actually we're, you know, we might as well be, but yeah, that, that's another whole, whole question. But right before that, uh, um, as it started happening, that price dropped like a rock. 
It should be going up, right? Because there's fewer, uh, less oil that can raise prices, whatnot. And it dropped like a rock. Well, now it's just approaching that old 52-week high, which it was uh, trading for just about a month ago. <laughs> a little over a month ago. And that that's the other thing you have to get used to. If you're going to be looking at stocks and you're looking at them on anything other than a long-term basis, and by the way, long-term investors need to get used to this too, you'll find a company, it's got an excellent balance sheet, you know, very little debt. It's very profitable. The sales are growing and the share price drops like a rock. That is not an unusual event. That is an extremely common event. And the people that don't want to hear that, they're tuning me out right now, by the way. They're driving around and tuning me out. They don't want to hear that. They want to They want to hear that it all makes perfect sense. Yes, all you have to do is buy those good quality companies that are going up and that you will make my... No, that's not going to happen. Okay. You're going to be surprised. And I hate to be... I, I don't even hate to be the one to tell you this because you're going to learn it anyway, sooner or later, hopefully. I mean, I have seen some 80, 90-year-olds who, who have averaged somewhere around 1% a year on their investments. They would have been much better off leaving it in the savings accounts. <laughs> And uh, because they just never gave up on that idea that the stock market is supposed to make sense in the short run. Stocks will and do crazy things. It just happens. Why is it that way? I don't know. I think it has a lot to do with fear and greed. But that's just me. Uh, now that we've got so many computers running algorithms, that's uh, it's it's unusual uh, to me that it, it hasn't died. The volatility hasn't died down. It's actually gone up. So um, that's fine. That'll be one of the uh, first questions I'm going to ask when in when I get up there and see the big guy. Hey, why why'd you set it up that way? <laughs> Just kidding. That's not. Uh, I know why it's that way. It's it's human nature, actually. And that's what it is completely. But anyway, I'm looking at the, the scans right now. And to be this early in the day and to have 115 companies coming up on the scan is pretty wild. Now, I will tell you this. Uh, remember I was talking about a little bit earlier in the day that when you see companies from a whole bunch of different industries moving up and leading the market, um, that it has a tendency to occur when the market's not that strong. Well, that's what's happening right now. And uh, this is, by the way, I only learned that because I, I've looked at this so frequently over the past, you know, since, uh, you know, it actually didn't become really that affordable. I think until about 1998, 97, 98, somewhere on there. It's a very long time ago. I mean, if you, especially if you ask a 20-year-old. The uh, But the uh, to me, it doesn't seem like, that long at all was very expensive and you started watching and learning and uh, just trying to observe what was happening and uh, that was one of the observations over the year when you see companies from one or two industries or maybe even three or four industries that are all showing up at the same time uh, you can go and bet that the S&P 500 is probably above its 50-day moving average which means it's trending higher in uh, just an observation. And by the way, that, that will probably change at some point in time. Most of these do. Most of the technical analysis programs that are out there have to be modified over time because markets change. Markets evolve. The one thing that won't change is you've got up, down, and sideways. Those are the three directions a stock can move 
and that's it. They cannot change. <laughs> so the speed at which they'll move up and down with, that changes fairly frequently. And uh, But you can still, it, it's still pretty profitable. It's very volatile to be looking at this. And I know I'm probably boring the death out of everybody. But uh, so here's one of the stocks that, that comes up that I like a lot. It's called Designer Brands. Um, and I believe this used to be, uh, um, oh, hey, Josh, what's a, there's a shoe store that's very popular. It carries almost all the brands. And that's about all they do is shoes. Uh, no, it's uh, both women and men. And yes, DSW. The, uh, I'm pretty sure this was the old DSW, the designer brands. I'll have to double check on that. But I remember that, you know, that stock was like 36 bucks. And then in the pandemic, of course, everything was going to go under. Nobody's ever going to buy a pair of shoes again. And uh, the this, this stock all goes all the way down to about $2.85, actually $2.60, from $36 to $2.60. Okay. Well, now the stock is back to $15.72, and now it's coming up on a momentum scan. Why am I bringing this up? Because this stock actually gapped. It came up on yesterday's scan, gapped up this morning. It's close, is right now near its high of the day. Uh, don't be afraid of that, by the way. That's just a daily high, not a, a weekly, monthly, or all-time high. Not even close to those levels. And it's got a price-to-sales ratio of 0.29. Okay. The average for that industry is like 1.5. So if, let me ask you a question. If there was a house and the average cost in the neighborhood was a million and a half and it looks just like the other houses and it comes onto the market for 290,000, is that a good deal? <laughs> because that's what we're looking at. It's the same ratio. The, the 0.29 to 1.5 is the same ratio. It's like getting a million and a half dollar house for 290,000 bucks. Now, the first thing I want to know is how much radon is in the basement? <laughs> what do I have to do? Who got killed in that house? <laughs> That's sad. Sorry about that. It's probably stepping over the boundaries. But the um, I want to know what, you know, there are probably problems in the house and you're going to have to fix them. If the problem, well, let's say, uh, yeah, maybe the people moved. Uh, the guy had to go across country really, really quickly, and his company ended up picking up the house uh, and reselling it, and they just didn't want to fool with it. So somebody offered him two hundred ninety thousand, and he took it. That that would be uh, one of the things that happened. Or you know, oftentimes people pass away and they don't have any beneficiaries or heirs, uh, and the state will come in and, and sell the house. So it's a, you know, that could be a really good deal. And that's what you want to do is find out what that story is. And there, there are two things that are most important with stocks. The first one, and this is where everybody confuses it. The first one are the financials. That's the most important. Why is that million and a half dollar house selling for 290,000 bucks? What, what's going on there? Because the numbers look really good. So that's only half the story. The other part of the story is the actual story. Why is it selling at that price? Are they going under? You know, and that's where you do a little bit of research. The two things you want to concentrate on are sales and profit margins, because in the end, that ultimately, that's all that's ever going to matter as far as building value. If your sales, how do you build value if your sales don't increase? 
You know, that's incredibly difficult to do, and it's not sustainable in the long run. Okay, you cannot continue to increase value if your sales are continuously dropping. So sales growth, I, I would have thought that this would be just, you know, I, and I've been talking about it for so long. I, I guess I'm talking to a whole new audience now because, you know, I'm much older. And they're still not teaching this in finance courses. They're still not. I promise you. I know they're not because I just talked with three cum laude graduates who all majored in finance. None of them knew the answers to these questions. I'm like, what the? I would go ask for a refund <laughs> from the college. <laughs> I'm not going to name the colleges because I don't want to get sued. But the, <laughs> but think about that. I mean, graduate school, I mean, uh, potential and uh, honors graduates in their bachelor's degrees. And they didn't understand that. I mean, that's just crazy. So, by the way, that's it's covered in a different way. They don't use the same language I use. I try to break it down and make it a little simpler. But the uh, National Association of Investment Clubs, they, uh, they've got excellent material on this. And it's a little longer. You're probably going to have to study a little bit more. And one of the things I was going to mention, too, is uh, one of the better books on accounting I've ever seen is Accounting for Dummies. Um, this is made for specifically for people like me. <laughs> I hear the music. I can't believe the show's already over. Well, I've been having a lot of fun. I hope you have, too. If you have a question, go to my website, BullingtonCapital.com. This is Bill Bullington here every Saturday morning from 11 to noon. Have a good week, everybody. Good luck and good investing. You just caught another edition of the Bullington Capital Report, broadcasting every Saturday at 11 a.m. on AM 1420, The Answer. If you have a question and you'd like to speak to Bill personally, you can call him at 330-664-0700. That's 330-664-0700. Or online at BullingtonCapital.com. That's BullingtonCapital.com. The preceding program has been paid for by Bullington Capital Management, LLC. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.